The PhD equine nutritionists at Purina Animal Nutrition tackle problems using science, and their love of horses keeps them at it until they get it right. Even with the most established feeds, they keep innovating. Even when it takes years of research, they don't stop until it's right. They're dedicated to the scientific method, but it can't capture the feeling of seeing a horse reach their full potential. It takes science and love to help your horses live their best life. Put their research to the test at horseinnovation.com. everyone, welcome back to another episode of The Ride. This is Jillian here. Nicole is busy sending the winter issue of Horse and Rider off to print today, so it's just going to be me on this episode. Um, this interview is with Megan DeLisle, who is the Media and Communications Manager at the United States Eventing Association. So we kind of talk a little bit about her career in the horse industry and how she got to where she is today, and then we also talk about how she went from being a hunter jumper, eventing rider, and then made a pretty drastic switch to the ranch riding. So we kind of go over, you know, the things that are similar between the two disciplines that she's noticed and just some different things that that she's learned along the way. So enjoy this episode and here's Megan. Thank you so much for joining me today. Let's kind of first start talking about your career and kind of how you found your way to a career in the equine industry. Yeah. Um, so I started out like like every, you know, college graduate. Well, even even before college, when people would ask me what I wanted to do after high school and after college, I always said, well, I want to do something with horses, but I had no clue what. And you know the old saying, like, to make money in horses, you have to like start with even more money. And that was not <laughs> anything I had. Um, so I went to college and I've always enjoyed writing. And so I got my degree in English with a minor in agriculture and then spent five years in corporate HR. So completely, you know, turned the wheel around there. Um, but while I did that, I began freelance writing for a lot of equestrian publications just to get my name out there a little bit. Um, and that transitioned into a part-time digital editor position for an online hunter jumper news source. Um, and from there, it just kind of continued to grow. I went and worked for a equine um, marketing and media agency, spent some time there focusing on hunter jumpers and dressage. I took on a few freelance clients doing digital marketing in the horse world. And then eventually I transitioned over to where I am now working for the United States Eventing Association. And I am their media and communications manager. And I've been there for a little over a year now. And I don't think anybody, I don't believe in using the word dream job because if, if everyone had their dream, no one would be working. We'd all just have lots of money and riding horses all the time. But if I could get as close to my dream job as possible, I would say I have it right now. I, I thoroughly enjoy what I do. That's awesome. Yeah, I completely agree with that. The dream would be not working and riding horses all day, but we're very <laughs> lucky that we get to at least spend our work day riding and talking about horses. So kind of walk me through like a day in the life of your job. I know that I feel like, especially with my job, there's not a single day that's the same, but what are some things that you uh, do every day? 
Yeah, yeah, you're totally right. Nothing is ever the same. Uh, on a typical day to day, I am. Um, we have our magazine, Eventing USA. So I am uh, managing and overseeing the production of the magazine. Um, we have an online news source, useventing.com, and I'm helping wrangle freelancers and curate content myself, conducting interviews. Um, and then we do a lot of original coverage of horse trials across the United States. So typically I'm traveling and photographing and writing articles and interviewing top riders. And that is a, a treat for me. I thoroughly enjoy being involved in the sport, especially now that I'm not personally competing in it anymore. It gives me the opportunity to really stay involved in that aspect. And then, of course, there's the other day-to-day -day of just managing my team and um, working with social media, developing media and marketing plans with our marketing team. Um, a lot of logistics. Our team is very small, so we make a lot of amazing big things happen with very little manpower. And I'm, I'm so proud of everything that we do every day. And it's really nice to kind of know that I've gotten to put my stamp on it a little bit. Yeah, definitely. I can relate to the small team. You know, I feel like you would think that we have a lot of manpower behind what we do, but we really, for Horse and Rider, it's me and Nicole and, and our art director, Michelle, and that's pretty much who gets the magazine out the door. So I'm sure you are <laughs> the same way. Yeah, yep, I <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I love, like you said, being able to kind of put your stamp on it. I think that is one thing that is nice about having a small team is that it really is your work and um, that definitely feels good when at the end of the day when you're sending the magazine to print and you're like, I did all of this, you know, that's, it's a good feeling. Um, but tell me a little bit about your writing history. I know that you, you've started Hunter Jumper, I would assume, and then you, I, I don't know, just walk me through that because I'm not totally sure. I know you show the ranch writing now, but it took you a while to end up there. So, <laughs> yeah. so I have a bit of a all over the place uh, writing history. And I guess the brief summary of it is I do not belong to a horsey family. Um, and my family jokes that one of my first words was horse and they were like, we don't even know what to do with this kid. Um, and when I was five, I started begging for my first horse. We grew up on a on a cattle farm and a crop, a row crop farm. And I wanted a pony. And my dad said, you know, at five, like if I put in hours on the farm, I could have my first pony. And I got her when I was about eight. And um, in all respects, she was the best first pony because she was the worst first pony. Um, she was terrible and I loved her for it. She, I, part of it I brought on myself because I absolutely refused to carry my tack all the way from the garage at the house to the barn. So I would just get her halter and her lead rope and go wrangle her. And she was, she was a pony. So like she knew the bucket of grain trick. She wasn't going to fall for that. So spent 45 minutes trying to catch her find something to climb up on her with and then she would promptly just kind of bolt or give a little tiny hop and unseat me and so that taught me a lot from a young age and from there I just kind of dabbled throughout my youth I just kind of rode for fun I got to work for a gentleman down the road who bred quarter horses um, more for team roping so I got to full my first colt which was really cool and, and learn some groundwork and I took some official riding lessons from a local CHA trainer for about a year, and then that person moved. And we just don't really have a, a huge community of horse people where I live. It's a lot of rodeo. And I did I did dabble in rodeo a bit, but I just never really like got bit by the bug. 
and it was in college, which I did not want to go to, um, in orientation that um, there was a presentation about the college equestrian team, and my mom got all excited thinking that was what was going to keep me in college for four years, and I was so excited. You didn't have to have a horse of your own. You know, I had just retired my pony, so I didn't have anything to ride and didn't have any money, so I couldn't buy something. So I go to the barn for open barn day and everyone's wearing tight pants and helmets and tall boots. And I was like, what have I gotten myself into? Um, Southeast Missouri State University at the time only had a hunt seat team. And I kind of wrote it off as like, well, I'll never compete, but this will at least like give me something to do after school and wound up falling in love with it. Um, and so I, I competed all four years of college. And actually my sophomore year, I worked my butt off. Um, if I wasn't in school and I wasn't riding, I was working and saved up and bought my first hunter, which um, in hindsight feels like it was kismet because he was a little quarter horse and um, showed him locally on the hunter jumpers. And then I graduated college and I was poor. So I had to step away for a couple of years. And my then fiance, now husband, was like, okay, we're going to buy you a horse because you need a hobby. He farms. So he was gone all the time and I was at home alone. And so we bought a thoroughbred, like $3,000. I had no, I had no, um, no, like there was no need for me to have a thoroughbred, but that's what I purchased. I did that multiple times throughout my life. Like that was, that was what I could afford. So that's what I did. And um, for several years, uh, showed on the local hunter jumper circuit and then just kept working and saving my money and buying nicer horses, showed a little bit on the rated show jumping circuit, but it's very expensive to do that. And um, I was having a hard time keeping up with the Joneses a little bit and showing as often as I wanted to. And my trainer would often take her young sport horse prospects eventing because she thought the cross country was really good for them. And she came to me one day and was like, I think you're too poor to show jump. So why don't you try eventing? And I said, no way, because I had seen eventing. I thought they were all crazy. Um, and at the time I was horse shopping and after years of having young horses that kind of took their toll on me, I wanted something older and seasoned. And so I, I bought, he was 17 or 18 at the time, like a schoolmaster who I bought to show jump with, but he was a former event horse. And my trainer pretty much bullied me <laughs> into going cross country schooling and to a little schooling show one day. And the schooling the day before went awful. And then the show the next day we won. And, and I remember doing cross country with him and it was a completely different feeling like running through the whole course without stopping. Like when we would school, we would jump a jump and then stop and talk about it. But to just gallop, across the whole course, I, I immediately fell in love. And so I spent several years eventing and I, I loved it. It was the love of my life. <laughs> um, That's so funny that you never planned on eventing and then she just happened to convince you to buy a horse that had an eventing background. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. And I've told you about this horse. I mean, he is the most hilarious horse of my life. Also an appendix quarter horse. So a bit of you know, an homage to where I am now. Um, he was 17 or 18. He literally did not have a tail. Like the tailbone was amputated. He has 
two or three tail vertebrae, and we call it his pom-pom. Um, and he's a bit of a jerk, honestly, like a schoolmaster, but a bit of a jerk and had a, an opinion and was very happy to express that opinion. And to say that that was the horse that made me fall in love with the sport that I was like firmly never going to do, um, I feel like says a lot. And I vented with him for several years. He's 22 now. He's out in my front field, retired. I sometimes try to push cattle with him, but he doesn't know what he thinks about <laughs> the cows. Uh, all the cross-country jumps are fine, but God forbid we look at a cow for too long. So I vented with him for several years. And then my last year, I, I still had a show jumper who was also older. And my last year showing her, I destroyed my ankle. Nothing in my left ankle is mine anymore. Um, big tip there for everyone is if you come off a fence, don't try to stick the landing because you will ruin yourself. So um, destroyed my ankle. Had to. That was right at the prime of COVID too. So my surgery got delayed three months because they deemed it non-essential. Um, so then it started to heal. And then I had to go through surgery and they had to tear it all apart again. And I had planned on retiring Bear. The last event I had run him um, I was going to do one more event with him and then retire him. And then all of that fell through. And I knew that there was no other horse I was going to be able to get back on the cross country track than bear. So, um, he brought me back. He rehabbed me. We did more than we had ever done in our entire career together. We had the best season of our life. And then I found out I was pregnant and it, it was unexpected. Um, but a wonderful surprise. And I had every intention of returning to eventing. I actually even bought a young horse, a four-year-old, and had it in training with a friend of mine. Um, and then after I had my son, I realized I wasn't going to be going back on cross-country with Bear. And I just, I didn't know if I could do it. So I told my husband, I think I'm just going to take a break. And again, he was like, I'm not going to deal with you without horses in your life. Um, and so uh, just 30 minutes away, I have um, John Barry, who's a quarter horse judge and trainer. And I'm good friends with his daughter, Marty. And I just called her out of the blue one day and said, can I, can I come see what you guys do? Can I come ride some of your horses? And the first day I was out there, I rode Mesmerizing Chick. Um, and next thing I know, I bought her and now I, now I do the ranch riding. <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was super easy. Um, they were like, what do you think of mares? And I was like, oh, I, I've had a lot of mares. I like mares. And they were like, what do you think of opinionated mares? And I was like, I get along really well with them. And so sure enough, we, we really got along. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's awesome that you kind of fell into it that way. I, I always wondered, you know, when I saw that you made the switch I was like I wonder how that happened like how did you just because they're so very different disciplines how do you just go from one to the other but that really makes sense especially with them being so close that really makes everything so much easier in the grand scheme of things I'm sure especially now that you have your son and everything so um how long did it take you to kind of get in the groove of the the western riding and the ranch style and everything like that I'm sure that had to have been a, a little bit of a transition yeah, it's, it still is every day. It's so funny because there are a lot of things, obviously, that are similar, but there are things that I didn't realize would be similar that are similar. Um, my dressage foundation, so three-day eventing, for, for those who don't know, is three phases. 
um, dressage, cross country, and show jumping. And so my dressage foundation, I have found extremely translates to what I do. Um, and I'm very thankful for that, um, especially, you know, when working with the transitions, you know, which were hugely scored upon, I feel like in the ranch riding, um, that has been wonderful. The hardest thing for me has been, well, the hardest things, there's two of them. When I when I would dressage, I would ride in a dressage saddle full seat. Um, but when I would jump or cross country, I was in a half seat. So I was up out of the tack. So like learning to put my butt in the saddle, <laughs> especially for the sliding stops or the spins has been extremely hard. And I've definitely almost came off over the top of my horse a couple times. And John just looks at me and he's like, that's why you got to sit. So, um, And then not having contact. We ride in um, hunter jumpers and eventing with a, a very direct contact. There's no slack in the rain at all. And so learning to let go of my horse's face and really, really tap into, you know, my legs and my seat has been a great challenge for me because that was something I even struggled with jumping was sometimes I would take a little too much contact. And I'm sure that's a confidence, you know, issue. I'm an amateur. I will never be a professional. I'm a, I'm a professional amateur for the rest of my life. And um, so learning to let go has been a struggle for me, but a good one because my horse tells on me, you know, she will not execute the movements correctly if I'm in her face. And so it's, it's been really nice to learn from. Um, but honestly, I've really enjoyed it ever since having my ankle repaired. Jumping was a little hard. Um, and honestly, I'm supposed to have the other ankle um, fixed because it's also in really bad condition. Um, apparently, I won the genetic lottery there. So, uh, But I am putting it off as long as I can. And so jumping was starting to feel a little bit um, not so secure. And so I, I feel a lot more confident. I feel like I individually have... I, I loved eventing and I had a lot of fun of eventing, but I think I have more fun in the ranch riding because I'm a little less worried about if I make this mistake, we're going to crash into a jump and have an accident. You know, unfortunately, that that is something that you have to be very cognizant of when you're going cross country, especially because not all of the jumps, you know, fall down when you hit them like they do in show jumping. So, um I just get out there and I get to have fun and I got to do my first ranch challenge this spring and that was terrifyingly wonderful and amazing and everyone made fun of me because like I'm the new girl and I had the biggest grin on my face going around the ring with you know 30 something horses in the ring and um my horse is always funny in the rail classes because she doesn't really like love other horses. And so she'll pin her little ears and zoom past everybody and kind of look grumpy and cranky. So she's going around with her ears pinned and I'm just grinning like I'm 12 <laughs> and having the time of my life. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I bet. I bet that's so fun. So you're showing in the ranch riding. Are you doing like the ranch versatility or which which classes are you doing? Yeah, this year I've just been doing the level one amateur ranch riding and some of the open ranch riding classes. Um, I ha have done a few of the um, versatility things. I've not dabbled in the trail. I've been practicing the ranch trail at home. That is a challenge for me. You would think I would be somewhat 
um, good at like riding to an obstacle, but I struggle with gates of all things, even though I like open gates on my horses at home my whole life. Can't figure that out. So um, <laughs> the range trail is my goal for the coming year. Um, and I really want to eventually one day my horse has a reining background as well. So I'd like to do some of the just lower level reining things for fun. Um, but I really enjoy the ranch riding classes. I like the patterns. It reminds me of dressage. Um, and it, it for me, it's a lot of fun because my horse is, she's a wonderful horse. If I ride her correctly, she does really, really well. And so like getting to watch every single show and watch our scores get better throughout this year, because it is my first year showing, has been so rewarding. And I just did my first quarter horse congress, you know, and there's, there's, I think there was like 80 or 90 horses one day in my class. I had no expectations. Um, I just wanted to go and survive, which I can say I did. And it was the biggest reward for me having John, when I came out of the ring, tell me that like that was the best he'd seen me ride all year and that my horse looked the most relaxed and the most like professional all year long because she can get worked up in those bigger environments because she doesn't love, you know, all the commotion and the other horses. And I feel like we've really gotten to know each other really well. And um, I just I just went into that ring and was like, you know what, I'm just going to have a good time. Like, I did not expect to win. I did not win. And that was the expectation. I just wanted to do as well as I could. And my family got to watch on the live stream, which was super cool. And so it's, it's been such a rewarding year and I'm really looking forward to just keeping on with it and just kind of getting there where I was with Bear in eventing where I have my year where I feel like that was the best year I've ever had. Yeah. I love that, you know, the Congress was kind of a big show to go to your first year of riding in that discipline. I love that you were just like, I'm just going to go and go to the Congress and have fun. Yeah. So what was the show atmosphere like? I've never been to an eventing three-day eventing competition I, I'm assuming they're three days I've never been um what what was the the difference in the showing like and which one you know do you prefer honestly it's so funny because having come from the hunter jumper background first and then going to eventing I told my husband he hated coming to the hunter jumper shows I went to one event and I was like you're gonna love these people like there are some of us that are crazy enough that like we're taking shots in the morning just so we can survive getting through the cross country. Um, and everybody has a cooler at their stall and it's like a party at everyone's stall at the end of the day. And so when I first went over to Marty and John's and I said, you know, this is really important to me. Like, I want to have fun with it. I don't want to go and I don't want it to be stuffy like it was with the hunter jumpers, you know. And Marty was like, oh my God, Megan, you're gonna, it's gonna be the time of your life. It's gonna be just like what you just described. And honestly, it was. We show a lot in St. Louis at the National Equestrian Center through the Missouri Quarter Horse Circuit. And the crew that comes to show there are just like the, the nicest and most welcoming people. Um, Marty and John just started introducing me to people at my first show, and like they all immediately remembered my name or, or knew I was, you know, John's new girl, you know, <laughs> and they all knew my horse because John used to show her. And so they all were like, you know, taking precautions around her because she can be so funny sometimes. And 
cheering for me, you know, when I would get done with my round. And it was just so nice. And then Wayne, of course, loves the Missouri Quarter Horse shows, especially have always have some kind of fun activity throughout the weekend. Um, usually that includes beer, which Wayne very much appreciates. So uh, we brought the baby to one of the shows and he was still pretty young. I, I don't remember exactly how young he was, but he wasn't a year yet. And it was so nice to just be able to bring him and like everybody else's kids are running around, you know, like, and to feel like my kids could grow up in this atmosphere. Um, and so it was very similar. And so that felt a lot like home. Um, the eventers, you'll be riding to the end gate or to the start box. And it's not uncommon for every single rider to look at you and say, hey, have a great ride. And so I find myself doing that to the quarter horse people and they like love it and they respond and they tell you to have a good ride or they ask how your ride was. And I've just found the community to be so kind and welcoming and I felt that way at Congress too. I had no expectations to show at Congress this year. I didn't even think John was going to let me go and then I think my last show went well enough that I came to the barn one day and he was like you booked your hotel for Congress right and I was like oh wait I'm going like I'm, I wasn't prepared for that so um I went and you know there's all these people and we had an aisle with people that we knew and our barn crew is just so sweet and, you know, always watches my rides and cheers me on. And our neighbors were asking how things went and someone loaned me a scarf because I didn't have a scarf that matched my shirt. And it just is just the most welcoming environment. I'm so grateful to have just kind of fallen into the lap of this community because it it just is such a such a sweet one, I think. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm so glad to hear that you're, you know, just kind of found your community and that you're loving it I I never would have honestly I've never really thought about what the eventing you know atmosphere is like but I never would have thought that it would be similar to the ranch riding world but I I can see that how they kind of are the same as they just are there for a good time and everyone is supporting each other and I think that's such an important part of the horse community that a lot of disciplines are missing and could definitely use some more of so I love that you're you know finding finding the different disciplines that have that, that aspect. So that's great. Yeah, um, I think, I think oh, both the ahead. ranch, I think both the ranch people and the eventers just have a little bit of that, like fun and crazy streak in them. <laughs> and so <laughs> that resonates very well with me. <laughs> but yeah, I love it. So you mentioned, you know, not having a scarf that matched your shirt. What was the transition like for the the clothing. I know that you reached out to me a little bit when you were first starting, um, trying to figure out what you should be wearing. And that is definitely the polar opposite of what you were doing before. Yeah. I had to get a whole new wardrobe. Um, Marty has officially told me I cannot buy any more saddle pads because I went crazy and I have a pad in like every color. My horse is you have jet to. You have to, and my horse is jet black, so she oh, so looks everything great goes. everything, Yeah, <laughs> um, which I have been restricted to somewhat of a color palette. You know, I'm not allowed to have any neons or anything bright. Um, it has to go with whatever Mr. John also shows her in some classes usually, so it has to go with whatever he's wearing, and he typically wears like a denim or a white or a khaki, so That's I have fun. to have something that goes with him. Um but it was wild. I, you know, I literally had a tack trailer, tack room trailer purge one day and sold all of my 
English stuff and, uh, you know, bought a whole bunch of new clothes and I have an addiction to matching everything. I think that's a lot of fun. My hunter jumper trainer used to make fun of me when I first came to her. I was very matchy matchy and she was like, oh, Megan, no, we wear navy and white here. We don't wear <laughs> pink or purple and I still don't wear pink or purple, but I have a really pretty blue pad with a nice blue shirt that matches it. <laughs> it you definitely um, have fun. <laughs> I, I have a lot more fun. I just got my first pair of chaps, so I officially feel like a real rider. And I bought real boots at Congress. I saved up and got some Rod Patrick boots. Um, oh, nice. I know. They're very nice. I asked the gentleman, I was like, do I need to break these in? And he was like, no, go showing them today. And yeah. I, my feet had been hurting so much all week. And I was like, oh, this is what good boots feel like. Yeah. And those will last you forever too. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so the one thing I guess that was the sticker shock for me was the hat. Um, I yeah. was not anticipating the hat to cost that much, which you know, Mr. John was like, you can buy, and uh, I don't remember, like an 80 or a 90 or a 100. And I um, called the gentleman at Kendall's, um, which is where John sent me. And I said, I'm John Barry's student. He wants it to look like this. I need a black felt hat. And he was like, I'm not trying to oversell you here, but John's only going to like the 100. I'm telling you, I'm looking at the other ones. And he shot me the prize. And I was like, okay, well, hurry up and take that out of my account before my husband finds out. <laughs> But it's going to last me forever, and it's a super nice hat. I get compliments on it everywhere I go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's funny. That I I kind of went through that, too, and I never really, growing up with showing and horses and everything, you know, I didn't really pay attention to what level or my felt hat was, you know. But then yeah. now that I'm buying my own stuff, I'm like, I could just buy, like, the cheap, you know, whatever X, 30, 50X hat, and then I'm... Um, like no you really can't because you no. have to get it shaped every week and especially in yeah. Florida like it just melts basically so you <laughs> like the yeah. the higher quality it really does make a difference in the long run but it is you would never think people would pay that much for a cowboy hat it is yeah. <laughs> I, I told my parents who again are not horsey and they were like oh my god Megan can't you find an affordable horse sport and I was like well if you find it let me know because I've yeah, done a little too. bit of it all <laughs> yeah yeah you really have and yeah and you know the the helmets are they're just as expensive if not more but at least they like provide protection so the cowboy hat is <laughs> that's really all for looks but but it they do good. look good yeah it looks good. <laughs> it makes makes the look all come together that's for yeah. sure <laughs> um well, awesome. Thank you so much for talking to me. You know, I'm I'm excited to kind of get it out there that people are able to have a career in the equine industry without necessarily being a groom or a trainer or and that kind of thing. I think that there are so many different paths that people can go down that I wish I would have known about sooner. So I'm really excited that, you know, we were kind of able to talk about your career. And if you have anything else that you would like to, you know, mention about your job and what you do or anything, uh, yeah. feel free. Yeah, I definitely... There are so many avenues out there and even more and more coming available. And I think the biggest thing I would tell people is to, you know, make connections and do internships. And I I know it's not the norm to say this and kind of the work culture that we're in these days. But a lot of things that I did in the beginning, I did for, you know, pennies, you know, it was side jobs, you know, and I did just to make connections and get my name out there. And I know that's not um 
I know that's not something that everyone can do, but it was the foundation of my career. And um, so uh, maybe a year or two of sacrifice and working for a little less than I think I was probably worth at the time really did everything for me. And I'm so grateful for what I do as a as a career, especially, like I said, now that I'm not eventing myself, I'm so involved in the sport. Um, I get to go to the, the horse trials and feel the thrill, um, but then I get to go home and, and ride the way I ride now. And everyone at the USCA loves that I'm a cowgirl. They think it's hilarious. Um, and, you know, my eventing friends will be like, when are you going to be back out, you know, at, at the horse trials? And I'm like, don't you know I'm a cowgirl now? <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much. I'm so glad that, you know, we were able to talk and kind of go over everything that you've been doing recently. for tuning into the ride podcast we hope you enjoyed this episode and please be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts follow horse and rider magazine on social media and find us at horseandrider.com if you guys have any questions or comments please be sure to hit us up at horse and rider at equine network.com we want to hear from you guys and if you like what you're listening to be sure to leave us a review on itunes <laughs>